podcasting live from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's your girl, y'all, a native of Philadelphia, certified trauma therapist, and your favorite psychologist, Dr. Dawn Gillette Crossing. Dropping science with sanity sessions for sisters, keeping it together when you want to fall apart. A podcast by a black woman for black women and people of color that gives the real deal on trauma, life, and mental health. And while we are excited that you are tuning in, and we hope you find the topics and information useful, remember y'all, this ain't therapy and is not intended to replace a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. What up, gang? On this week's Sanity Sesh, we have the privilege to be on the couch with the Blackbird. The Blackbird is an impressive, impressive group of black young adults that we had to have on the podcast because of their passion and commitment to activism. Their mission statement reads, the Blackbird is a group that calls for the betterment of the city of Harrisburg by educating, liberating, unifying, and creating opportunities for the black youth to create a positive future and unified community. They deep y'all. And we had a really good time listening and hearing them express themselves. They gave us an in-depth look at their perspectives on the current racial climate of the United States and how they were determined to be involved. And while some research shows that an increase in political activism regarding African-American racial issues can have devastating effects on African-Americans' mental health, especially youth, this group defied the stereotype and the statistics and actually found a way to express themselves to cope with what they saw as injust and discrimination on our people against our people by becoming active. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to this week's Sanity Sesh. Hello there, ladies. We want to welcome today to the couch our uh, our young people from Harrisburg. They are called the Blackburg. So welcome, Blackburg. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so the Blackburg is composed of one, two, three, four, five women. Five women. Five women and one male. One male that is not present today because, you know, this show is predominantly made for African-American females, though we do have other listeners. But we, you know, we want to host or have one as guests, African-American females. But we do want to give a shout out to the one male that is not here because he is my great nephew. So let's all say hello to Sean Harris. He was a little disappointed that he couldn't be a part, but that's okay. That's all right. He'll get over it. Right, ladies? Right. <laughs> All right. So, real quick, let's go around, um, starting with Adiola, and give like brief inter- uh, introductions about who you are and how you got connected to the Blackbird. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Adiola Adenini. I'm a rising junior at Howard University, studying marketing and minoring in film. Um, I got connected with the Blackbird because I had an idea to do an event, and then. Um, we all just connected and then it turned into the Blackbird. It's a, it's a story within itself, but just to keep it short, one thing led to another and here we are. Yeah. Down the line, I'm going to probably ask you more about that, but let's just get brief introductions just to get started. All right, Marjorie, you up? What's up? Tell me about yourself. 
Hi everyone, my name is Marja Allen. I am a Harrisburg native. Um, I'm a Susquehanna Township alumni and I am currently attending uh, Indiana Tech. I'm a rising junior majoring in psychology. And I basically, you know, reached out to Adiola because I was just seeing everything that was going on just to keep it brief because I know we're going to go into uh, depth later. But yeah, I basically just looked uh, how I was feeling to her and then she kind of connected me to everybody else in the group. So you and Adiola were friends prior? Mm. Okay, cool, cool. Trinity. Right, best friends. Best, best friends. friends. I'm sorry, best friends. Best friends, BFFs. Trinity. <laughs> Um, my name is Trinity Seeker Barr. Um, I graduated from Susquehanna Township. I'm 20 years old and I'm Okay, yes. And um, I go to Morgan State University and I'm a junior, a rising junior. Okay. Um, I also got into the Blackbird the same way Marjorie really um, just saw everything that was going on with the protests and things and not really be a part of it because of COVID. So I wanted to find another way to really just help out so got connected with adiola as well and here we are here we are okay great great janaya tell us about yourself <laughs> um so my name is janaya presley i'm also a harrisburg native um i'm currently a rising junior at temple university um i'm a spanish major in global studies major did you guys say that i don't think you did but it's okay um <laughs> And I got connected with the Blackbird because Adiola DM'd me on Instagram because we knew each other from high school. Okay, so then Adiola, Adiola is kind of like the the person who kind of started it or connected it, or would you say? Okay, all right. She was the okay. All right, Naila, I love that name. Tell us about yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Naila Burston. I am a Harrisburg High School SciTech campus alumni. I attend Delaware State University. I'm a rising junior studying psychology with a minor in criminal justice. Um, I, like everybody else said, got connected with the Blackbird because um, I saw that there was a lot of protests going on and I didn't want to go to the protests by myself. So I asked Adiola if she was going and she said no. But instead, she wanted to host, um, like, a speak out, and then um, a group chat was formed, and then the Blackbird was formed. Wow, that's just awesome. So everybody knew everybody before the Blackbird was formed, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you all kind of hinted to this, but let's ask this question out front. What kind of got it started? Like, what triggered uh, the group's formulation specifically? Let's get into a little bit of detail because there's been a lot of events that has been going on lately um, that has gotten fire under a lot of people's uh, feet, right? But what specifically got you guys kind of ignited and what brought together? Well, um, um, ooh, my bad. So, for me, I basically, after um, the video surfaced of George Floyd, um, it just made me really frustrated. Like I was crying angry tears a lot because I felt like I couldn't do anything. I wanted to go out and protest, but I had already been self-quarantining. So I didn't want to go outside. I knew I couldn't protest with my mask on because I'd get hot. So I was just, I was just really frustrated. I was like, I, I don't want to keep posting about it on social media because I, I want to make a change basically. So I called Adiola because, you know, that's my best friend. And she was like, why don't you just join this group that I'm basically putting together? It's a bunch of people that you already know, and hopefully we can make a change in Harrisburg. Wow. So that's how I got connected. 
So Adiola, since you started it, like what what tell me about what happened? Like what was the the trigger? Like what caused you to be like, look, let's do this group. That's because I hear Marja being, you know, upset and frustrated, which a lot of us were experiencing. Um, and she reached out because she wanted to do something, but it sounds like you had the group kind of formulated already or was in the making of, of putting the pieces together. Right. So basically, um, I was just, I've always just kind of been like a, I wouldn't say an activist, but I've always used my voice to um, educate and voice how I was feeling about what was happening in the world. Because this isn't new. Yeah. It's just now coming out to the light. That's right. And so um, I'm thinking because of quarantining and everything, like I couldn't go out and protest, but I was, I talked too much for me to just be sitting there and telling people to go out and do these things, but I'm not doing it. And so I was thinking like, what can I do? Um, and how can I get people together so we can, you know, talk about what's going on and see what changes we can make, especially as young black people, um, in our cities. So I was thinking like looking up things that are happening, how people are using their voice and what actions they're taking. And I was like, okay, bam, let's do a black youth speak out. So um, the black youth in the city can talk about what's going on freely without judgment. Because like, I know this even for myself, I might be posting about something or like putting my own statements on Snapchat People would light up and be like, well, this is wrong. Um, it's not what even happened. Da, da, da. Like just coming at me and saying like, um, my, feelings are invalid and so i knew that i wouldn't be the only one going through this as well so um to give um the black youth in the city a platform to be able to speak freely without judgment was something i really wanted to do and um margin and trim like those are my girls so we talk all the time but they both individually called me and told me how they were feeling because we've wow. all been self-quarantining and we've all just like been seeing what's going yeah. on yeah. and so i was like you know what y'all can help me plan this then like y'all can help me with this event if you really want to um make a change and use your voice so it formulated between us and then i was like wait Jan um janaya let me dm her because i know she was really active okay. um back in high school and so just like we knew each other from Harrisburg Howard, same with Nyila, she messaged me on Snapchat and was like, hey, you're going to the protest. I was like, girl, I'm still quarantining, but I'm doing this. If you want to help me out? He was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, any um, males, because we still need yeah. this like male presence to be right. things that's important. Right, right. And she was like, yeah, I know guy. I can send it to him, ask if he's interested. He was interested. So I was like, bam, let's do a Zoom call tonight, tomorrow, and start planning this. Because literally, once we planned, once the idea for the event came, it happened four days after. But during our planning, we were like talking about our childhoods and all the events that we used to have and um, the things that we wish would be occurring now. Um, and then we just like the Blackbird just started coming together. It like, sounds that like all like our ideas. It sounds like it just came together. Like it just came together on its own almost. Everybody was connected. Yeah. Everybody had emotions and had feelings. And that's, that is remarkable. Remarkable, especially yeah. for the age group. I mean, you know, to just be that focused, you know, it's not like you don't have other things to focus on. You got college, you, you had the, the COVID and yet. Um, these things happen and, and not only did it affect you, but you wanted to do something about it. Um, that's, I, I think that's remarkable. That's a remarkable thing. So I hear how the group was formulated. Um, but tell me personally, each of you, if you each could go around and personally tell me what were some of the feelings and emotions that you experienced surrounding George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, you, you know, we can go on and on and on and on. Um, Ahmaud Arbery, the list is extensive and expansive. Um, I tell folks all the time, though, you know, these protests are spawned as a result of George Taylor and, and, and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Um, this has been happening for centuries. 
this has been happening for centuries in our country, right? Um, but it's just, this right now seems a little unique in terms of the response that um, the United States uh, citizens have had as a whole, right? So individually, what were you experiencing like when you saw these events and, and processed these events? What was what happened for you? Let's start with you, Naila. Let's start with you. I knew he was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here all quiet and pretty. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. So my first um, situation that I um, am old enough to remember was for Trayvon Martin, um, I was a little too young to actually understand, have a full understanding of what occurred. Yeah. And then as I got older and more situations like his began to happen, I still wasn't fully grasping what was going on. And then we get um, George and Brianna. Brianna? Brianna, Brianna Taylor. Yeah, Brianna. Yes, mm-hmm. we get Brianna. And I... Um, am attending an HBCU. I have um, black family members that I'm really close to who are um, in their age group. And I start to make um, like close connections saying, yeah. well, this could happen to my uncle. This could happen to my aunt. This yeah. could happen to my cousin. Right. And that's when I actually begin to understand like this, this keeps happening to people who look like me. And I don't understand exactly why, because when you read the history of African Americans or when you read the history of black people in general, I always ask myself, why does this keep happening to us yeah. in specific? Yeah. I felt the need to um, do something, actually be a part of history instead of just watching it happen. Yeah. So yours started back with Trayvon in terms of just those emotions and just compiling them. Trayvon was, uh, that, that was all of them are devastating, but I remember um, what, what happened with Trayvon because we were um, we were actually living in Florida, commuting back and forth to Pennsylvania. Um, we were still living in Pennsylvania. I was still working in Pennsylvania, but my husband was working in Florida, so we were commuting. And I can remember my youngest son um, being down there and going to the gym in the development we were in, we, and we went together. And I'll never forget this. I walked to my car to wait for him because he had like one more set left in the gym. It was late. It was like 10 o'clock. And the gym was about to close. And the cop car was sitting in the parking lot um, of the the gym. And I got out my car and walked back over into the gym and waited. And my son looked over and he said, Mom, why you come back? I, I told you I was coming. I was like, it's a cop car out there. And I, I don't know what's going to happen between the gym and our car, which couldn't have been more than 100 steps. That's how much anxiety and fear um, the Trayvon Martin situation produced inside of me. And I think sometimes we don't realize these events, how we can internalize them, you know, and, um, it, it, and it can change us deeply forever. But I don't know sometimes that we realize it because it's become so natural to turn on a TV set. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but it's natural now to turn on a TV set and see us, one of us, people of color, one of our men being killed for no reason at all, for no reason at all, you know? Uh, by people that are supposed to protect us. The police is supposed to protect us. They're not supposed to murder and kill us, especially when we our arms are in the air, we are abiding by, you know, whatever they're asking us to do or for a random pullover, any, for things that our white counterparts get arrested for and go to jail without any type of bump or bruise, we actually lose our lives for. That's, that's, that's devastating and traumatic. So I, I definitely understand the Trayvon connection there. Jenea. Tell me about how things were personally affecting you surrounding the recent um, events. 
Yeah, um, like Naila, I think our generation, most of us, like our earliest memories, but we were old enough at the point to understand what was happening and to have our own type of feeling about it was Trayvon Martin. Um, I remember in like, I think it was seventh grade, um, we came the day after it happened, we were all leaving lunch and we all put our hoodies up and we were walking up the stairs and teachers were telling us, put your hoodies down, put your hoodies down, or you're going to ISS. And they were sending kids to ISS for us having our hoods up, um, trying to stand with um, what happened to Train Brown Martin. And even to this day, that just it just makes me shake a little bit because I'm yeah. like, that's so crazy. We're yeah. so young. Yeah. Um, and just fighting for our livelihood as black kids, you know, and um, teachers sending us to ISS over it. Um, and I think this time around, um, like for during COVID and everything, we really realized the power of social media and how much power we've always had on it. And, yeah. like, our gen- age group and Generation Z, we're just trying to organize online um, and strategically. And I think for me, my own personal experiences just with, like, uh, racial profiling and police, uh, specifically in Harrisburg, I mean, I realized that my, my, my life experiences compared to my white friends and non-black friends are totally different. Um, and like you said, like trauma, I don't like going to Harrisburg Mall because I was racially profiled there wow. multiple times, late at night in my car, wow. um, illegal searches. Wow. Um, and, and so now I definitely have like trauma with it too. Like even going to the park with my friends, I tell them you don't need a book bag, like don't carry extra stuff. Um, yeah. so we definitely internalize it. And I think, um, my mom always says, don't be an armchair revolutionary. Like, wow, don't just powerful. use social media and Twitter, um, but let's do something with it. So, yeah, that's yeah it kind of brought me here. Powerful. That is powerful. You know, the, uh, the rules are different for us. You know, the rules are different for us. You know, I talk about it all the time. There, there's a time in our lives where our parents have the talk with us. And sometimes the talk might happen, you know, um, 12 or older, and sometimes it may happen even younger. And it's not just one formal conversation. It's a succession of conversations about what we can and can't do and how we have to be and how we have to act. And sometimes the talks, you know, back when I was younger and my parents were a little bit more conservative, um, the talks would include, you know, behaviors that you had to have in order to get a job, you know, and different things like that. So I, I definitely hear you. I hear what you're saying. And and how that how that affected you definitely i can hear that trinity what you got for me trinity what you got um for me when i first watched the george floyd video um i cried when i first watched it um for me i'm glad you touched on it a lot of times like lately it's been become normalized and i feel like i've almost become immune to seeing stuff like that yeah and that really didn't sit right with me and i think um this time with George Floyd, was just seeing the video and the gruesomeness of the video just hit another a nerve in me this yeah. time. Um, and it just it sparked something in me to really want to act on it and really make change more than, like um, Janae said, just on social media and posting stuff. Um, and also another one that really hit home for me was Tamara Rice. Um, yeah. I have a cousin that is 12, 13. Um, and I just... Thinking about that, I just think how that could be him. Like, yeah. there's nothing that really sets him apart from Timur Rice. You know, yeah. he's just a young black kid just playing, just playing. minding their business. Minding and business. at any point, his life could be taken away yep. in a split second. No question. Like you said, people were. No, no inquiry, just 
you know, just immediately yeah. because he's a black young man, he must be up to no good. Yeah. You know, no kind of yeah. nothing, just no benefit of the doubt. Not just just inhuman how they treated yeah. that situation, how they treat us. Often, you know, it's just mm -hmm. it's inhuman. Yeah, and that's just really upsetting, and it just gives me a whole new look at on um, on things and what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got for me, Marja? I think similar to the trend, I had been numb for, for a while because it's the norm for the black community to turn on the news and see another one of us on the ground yeah. dying. And originally, like when the George Floyd, um, George Floyd, like started surfacing on social media and, you know, the I can't breathe, I thought it was like a resurgence of an old video of someone who had already died. So I was a little confused. I'm like, why is this happening again? And it's crazy because history really just repeats itself. Yeah. So I think I, it kind of just clicked for me. Like it was like my my breaking point, basically. Yeah. To where I just couldn't like sit with it anymore. And then I started to realize all the the like microaggression I had faced in my life because I I have never had like an interaction with the police like Janae. Like I've never been pulled over. Thank the Lord. But <sighs> I, I like. I think about it like I, I have to drive eight hours to go to um, school in Indiana. And every time a cop car gets behind me, I fear for my life. Yep. I have never felt protected yep. seeing a cop car like yep. even three lanes like beside me. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's it's fear that's instilled in our people rather than protection. Yes. Anxiety. And it's a whole different standard. Yeah. I was talking to uh, someone from the LaShawn McCoy Foundation. Um I guess they got wind of the Blackbird using me at their vigil and at, at their Juneteenth event. And um, they asked me to um, to speak. I was like, these little young folk gonna got me and all kind of stuff now, but I appreciate you guys and value you guys for valuing me. But anyway, um, one of the things that she said that um, the group that they're looking at is younger though, younger than your group, the like, I think like 12 and somewhere between like 12 and like eight. Um, but one of the white cops that uh, I guess is part of the foundation said that um, they were out somewhere, some type of event. And, the, and this was just a couple of weeks ago. And the cop, the white woman, walked up to the little girls. The little girl had like her shoe untied or something like that. And she was trying to tell a little girl that, you know, your shoe's untied. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like minor. And a little girl put her hands up and was like, she was like eight years old. She was like, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. And, and the cop was you know, devastated, you know, she was like, that just tore her up. And um, she had wanted to be a part of this thing that LaShawn uh, McCoy is, is doing. And, um, and that's, but that's real. That's real because you don't see uh, the images of uh, the police protecting us. Unfortunately, we're inundated with how they treat us. And it seems like it's way more mistreating us, you know, than they are protecting us, you know, even when we call them for our defense, somehow we become the enemy, <laughs> you know, we become the bad guy, you know, and we're calling them to protect us. You know, we have evidence and videos, tons and tons of videos of that as well. So yes, Marge, I, I hear you. I definitely hear you. La last but never least, what you got, Adiola? I've been mad. I've been mad for a very long time. And I know like people are saying like, don't be mad, don't be angry. No, I've been so mad for such a long time. I remember in high school, but I just listened to, um, like Karen Buffalino Castillo, Eric Garner, yes. um, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, the list goes on. on, on. I remember just being so vocal about it in high school and it would really shake people, you know? But how come um, when I'm talking about something like this, 
you get shaken so much to the point where now you're trying to say I'm wrong. Yeah. But I'm trying to let you know that the situation is real. And we have, we can be the generation that stops it. But the fact that you're so scared to actually tackle the conversation um, is what's putting or um, pushing us from actually defeating the disease that is racism. Um, I'm thinking about how in high school too, like the whole term Karen is going around, um, about white women who use their yeah. power yes. to, um, you know, yeah. potentially hurt African Americans by threatening to call the police. Cause you know, when you, when you say that word, that's a threat. Yeah. Um, and so I'm thinking about how even my teachers could, you know, small microaggressions and the things that yeah. they would say to me were, you know, like that, that, that shouldn't have been allowed. Um, and like, you know. We, we have to just sit there and take it, especially as kids. Like, it would come across as disrespectful. But, like, now it's like, dang, we really were right in the sense to use our power um, and our voices. But, you know, society just tries to hush you and silence you. Um, Ahmad really triggered me because yeah. literally, like, I was looking at his picture, his graduation picture, and the kindness in his eyes and the beautiful darkness of his skin, and that reminded me of my brother. My brother's super tall, yeah, super dark, um, and he plays basketball. You know, he kind of has a build to him, but like, you know, he could be a threat to somebody, even though everyone knows my brother. Yeah. Super sweet, super kind, would never even hurt a fly. Like, he's so nice, but to somebody just looking at him. He could be a threat. He could be seen as doing something wrong. And bam, that's, that's the end. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that, like, this trauma is just, it's been going on for centuries and yep. centuries and centuries. centuries. It's just being packed down the line. Um, but just seeing, like, the whole world, how this has become a global movement. Um, I have friends in London who are talking to me about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, my friend was studying abroad in New Zealand, talking about how she was going to a protest. I said Y'all got black people in New Zealand? She was like, barely. Everywhere, but. girl. <laughs> Everywhere, girl. <laughs> right, right. I was like, there's black people in New Zealand. She was like, this oh, I mean, I have oh, many, yeah. but we still over here. Um, <laughs> and it just, it's community. It's a global movement. It's sad it took us this long, but it's still encouraging to see that there's a lot of young people and a lot of people using their voice and their actions and their powers and their platforms to speak about what's going on and to um, push for the change that we hope to see. So yeah. I think that you guys age group is part of the driving force, the systematic change that I think we're going to see, hopefully see from these um, events because you guys have united um, as an age group and just said enough is enough. You know, we we've watched too much and um, you know, just kind of mobilized, but, but in your opinion, what, what is it that made this different? Because like we said, this is not new hat. This is all old hat. We've had, this has been happening for centuries. You know, just um, the other day, Elijah McClain, I, you know, I don't get, a, I don't watch a lot of TV and I, um, I'm, I'm on, when I am on social media is for a purpose and it's brief. Um, but he came up on my timeline. Uh, one of my friend's sisters, um, had, had, had posted some information about him and, you know, I looked it up of course, and he, he was, uh, murdered, uh, shot up with a ketamine because he was walking around with a ski mask on, um, flailing his hands with, as if that's against the law. And, um, the cops saw him as a danger. 
and they they um he, he you know they approached him they they uh, shot him up with ketamine um because he was agitated well i'd be agitated too if cops pull up on me and i didn't break the law um they shot him up with ketamine and he's died he went into cardiac arrest twice in the back of the car and died um and then they had the video um i didn't listen to the video i, I can't stomach it those videos i you know it just um i can't do it it's too heart-wrenching but uh, one of the my doc friends, medical doc friends, was sharing with me like the things that he was saying in the video about the cops. He's like, you know, I like you guys. You guys are always helpful. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, um, I can't breathe, which is, again, that, that constant, consistent statement of helplessness. Yet in the midst of helplessness, you still continue to press and take our lives. You know, when when there's clear that we are not a physical threat, you still devalue us that much that you take our lives anyway. And so, you know, when you see these things, it's like it's, there are there are so many that we don't even know about or so many that has not even been discussed. Like I never heard Elijah McClain's um, name before until recently. And he apparently was um, taken a year ago. Like it's just it's just it's just it's terrifying. It can be terrifying as a black woman, as a black mother, as I'm sure as a black man. Um, terrifying. Um, so. But what makes this different, though? What do you guys think is the, the unique difference in this one? Um, I would say it's the fact that he pleaded and he was still murdered. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, he, he gave every example for why he wasn't a threat and they still beat him up. They still shot him up um, with ketamine in order to stabilize him and he still died. Um, and it's the fact that no matter how you present yourself, no matter what you do, you are still labeled as a threat. Yeah. And you're referring to as a, Elijah McClain or George Floyd. Which one are you referring to? Elijah? Elijah, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is that, yes, that's a uniquely different situation. All of them are just a travesty. But I, I, I guess I'm asking, what, what do you guys think made these recent events so unique that that people are mobilizing across the globe. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say it's the fact that there's video, the fact that you can see what's happening. Um, if you look at like things that might have happened in the past, like not all of them have been recorded, okay. and not all of them have been story. But eyewitnesses, the cameras, every angle, you saw more and more happen. That just didn't make sense. That that could have been stopped. I think also too, um, the new found um, drive to learn about our laws and the um, justice system, and to see that it's actually really set up against us. Um, policing is just modern day slavery, if we're going to be honest. And if you look at the documentary Thirteenth, which I highly recommend people to watch, it really put into um, play how the system is set up against us. Yeah. And they use the numbers to try to say like, oh, black people aren't um, as killed as much as white people, all this you know, extra stuff to hide the truth. Right. But really we only make up like one third of the population, right. but two thirds of us are behind bars yeah. or affected by policing. Uh, one out of 17 um, of um, white people who have committed crimes or done anything go to jail. Only right. one out of the 17. Yeah. So, um, it just really puts into play like how the system is really set up against us and people are really just finding that out now and mm -hmm. um, people might have not wanted to dig deep into it then but it's like all these things also have just been happening back to back to back to back to back to back to back no break um before we might have had a break in between 
and it'll be like, you know, Twitter dies down, Instagram dies down. But no, like these videos are popping out left and right, left and right. And you're just seeing more people going around using their power um, as white people to hurt African-Americans and black people. It's just, it's just crazy. It so is, it is. That's what I think is different. So you think it's the video because I feel like we've had video, we've had video before, right. you know, um, yeah, you know, I, we've had video before and I, maybe it's me, but the videos that I saw were just as horrendous, <laughs> you know, um, just as, you know, just as, um, terroristic to me in terms of like, just someone's helpless on the ground. I mean, hands in the air still got shot. So we've had, we've had video before. So, but you, you think it's the video, anybody else, what, what else, anyone else have anything? I think it's it's more so the timing, because not only do we have the full video of him, you know, dying, basically, but we have a president in office who is clearly against us, publicly against us. Uh, It's right around the time of election, so we have a chance to, you know, make changes for laws and things like that. And we can't even let Corona kill us first because y'all are getting to it. (laughs) Like, And, and we're we're um the highest population dying from corona black people yeah so we have that we're just it's it's we're backed into a corner we okay. don't have a choice but to fight okay okay gotcha gotcha trend yeah i also think um it's our generation as well um i know before like like you said there's always been videos and there's always been protests but i think now we have the older generation as well as the younger generation willing to make a change. Because like you said before, we were too young to really know and understand what was happening with Trayvon Martin. But now that we're old enough and able to use our voices, a lot of us are taking the initiative and going out protesting and doing other things to make a change instead of um, just doing nothing. Um, And back in the day, you know, they had, you had um, the adults who were protesting, but you had that generation and just that generation alone, I think, um, it wasn't really, they didn't have anybody to, to do mm-hmm. it with them. So I think that's really a big thing as well. And a lot of younger people, I know a lot of, um, younger white people and people of color are, are a little different this generation than our parents' generation. Cause you know, they grew up having grandparents who were racist and things like that. So a lot of the white people and things like that really are not fully but they understand more what's going on and are able to connect or resonate with us more with this yeah i I, I see what you're saying because even with our profound leaders such as martin luther king and, and brother malcolm malcolm x even with those profound leaders this uh civil rights movement is the greatest and biggest in history you know and so um, the voices of the young people are are just powerful, powerful. I mean, all you see all generations marching, but there is a huge representation of your age group, you know? So yeah, I agree with you. I hear you. Um, did it, Janae, did you want to say something? I saw your hand up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, um, like you said, like it might be the videos, but we've had videos for a long time. And I think like... Um, it was never the video for me. I think even, I mean, like, it's like a blessing and curse there's a video, you know, because you want people to be worried, you want people to be mad, but it comes to the point, like, how much do I have to show you that um, Black people in America are just literally being killed for you to believe us? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that hopefully um, 
that people will start like to just stop relying on videos because um, I really don't like watching videos anymore. I mean, right. I think since like Philando Castile, like that yeah. video, I remember like, middle school watching that. I should have never watched that. Yeah. Like, I wish I could unwatch yeah. that. Um, but that, and that's part of the trauma, I, though. Was, they call it uh, what yeah. do they call it? Um, trauma porn. You know, it's part of the trauma. Like, I <laughs> listen. I can't, and I'm a certified trauma therapist. I do psychology all day, every day. We run an intensive family-based program specifically focused on trauma. And I, if I watch those videos, I, I will I will never watch the George Floyd video. I will read articles, but I cannot watch it. It will just change my change me in, in on the inside, and not for the better. It wouldn't. It, it's just too. It's too terrifying. It's too heart wrenching to to see somebody just life be taken like that because of the color of their skin. You know, and then right. I would be and the worst there after that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the stories are just as powerful. I mean, because I remember Ayanna Jones' story. She was literally under 12 and she died sleeping at her grandma's house. I think also, like, black people make connections to stories and those things that mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. Going to your grandma's house, that's regular for me and yeah. my family. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, I just hope this energy continues. I don't know why it happened, but I just hope it continues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, there's some, you know, ideas and, of, of why it's powerful. One of them being the age group, one of them being that, um, like you said, the president and his, uh, inability and lack of regard for people of color and just the word and the words and the language that he used. It's just clear, you know, he can say whatever he wants to say, but it's really clear that you are not a fan of people of color and you're not here to support us. You know, I think it's a combination of things, you know, the global piece, um, touched me. I was touched because I was so angry by what had happened, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. And, you know, you, you don't even get over, like, you know, when you brought up Trayvon, I'm like, you, you know, I don't feel like I'm even over Trayvon. You know, you know, the, the constant, um, just the constant happenings and repeat of the same type of behavior and incidents and loss of lives because of the color of their skin. You know, I think it was just a combination of everything. I was, I was so angry. And then I heard it went global. And then I heard it was, you know, just, you know, I was like, that just did something for me. It gave me a sense of like, okay, calm down. You know, you can remain um, anger, angry, but find a way to fuel that. Because sometimes that anger can come out in a not so professional way with your non-black counterparts. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and um, you know, you, you know, I serve, I serve a wide population. So I want to be sensitive to everybody. So. So let me ask you a question, guys. Let's, let's switch gears back to your um, your um, group. What are some of the endeavors your group has done so far? Like I know about Juneteenth and I know about the town hall, but what else have you guys done that I may not be aware of? Well, um, so far, the town hall, the Juneteenth, and the Black Youth Speak Out are the main events that we've had. But again, we've only been here for three and a half weeks. For- awesome. Um, and there's still... So much more that we have planned. Um, we're using our social media platform um, as a way to get people educated on topics and find resources. So we post like books, podcasts, movies that you can watch or listen to or read um, if you want to get more educated on the topic. Um, we're starting a Black Business Wednesday. So if you have um, a Black business in Harrisburg in the city, you can send us your stuff, DM us, or like we'll find you and we'll put you on our platform. Because again, something else that I noticed too is Black people have a lot of economical power and these businesses yes, um, yes. can make a lot of political impact as well. So if you would put your dollars and support your own, then 
um, you can see some more change happen. So, you know, making sure that we highlight um, the Black businesses and the Black community as a whole on our platforms, people are able to know more about them. Um, also, just planning some more things to build community amongst the Harrisburg family. I think Harrisburg is a small community, yeah. yet it's so divided and separated yeah. in a way that like I wish I would have known more people who went to because I'm a Susquehanna as well but I wish I would have known more people who went to CD East or Side Tech or yeah, yeah. um or any school I just mainly knew like Harrisburg uh, or Susquehanna and my friends but there's so much talent out there there's so many people who want to learn who want who could connect with you as well but you were never given the opportunity or a reason for you to actually connect and talk yeah. and so that's like just just creating events that we can help um, further that engagement amongst the black youth in the community. So don't forget our podcast when you're talking about podcasts to listen to because we we address all types of these issues. We got you guys on here and that you're right. We are divided. Um, I think you're right. And, and I think Marge and I talk a little bit about this at sometimes at at Hala, how um, just not being connected, not knowing that there is a black medical doc or that not even knowing about like when I brought your group up in um, our NCBW, the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, I'm a part of that um, of that organization. And they, you know, of course, they're about propelling forward um, African-American events to cater to our, our community, to our children. And one of the things that um, I brought you up and they didn't know anything about you guys, you know, and granted you, I didn't realize you was only three and a half weeks old. It seems like you're older than that. I think you're a little older than that. Just a little bit, maybe four weeks old. So y'all just a baby, but, but still, uh, the impact has been tremendous, uh, from my point of view. Um, the, the energy is there. The momentum is there. And so they were like, who's that? And I was like, you know, I, I shared a little bit about them. Um, I, I um, gave them your handle on Instagram, you know, sent some things over. And you're right, though. A lot of times we're not connected. Um, I'm not really sure as to why that happens in this community, but it does. And so I think that's awesome. That's great. Don't forget to, be, to remember the Black businesses part. Marja can give you information about that as well. I think those are good things. Tell me, um, tell me where do you see the group going? in the next couple of years like what what do you feel are your goals for the next year or like are y'all going to be doing the juneteenth event consistently um do you think that the town halls are going to be just as needed or regularly like what do you what do you see i see us going to okay um i really i strongly believe that we can be the group that actually and i've said this before can breathe life back into harrisburg um we have a lot of people behind us rooting for us who are actually excited for what we have to come who actually want to help with uh what we're doing um we have a few people wanting to join we have um older people asking what they can do to help further us um we have a lot of things that are coming up that we want to um use to unite the city um i kind of want us to get out of harrisburg not just stay in harrisburg i want us to be mainly rooted in harrisburg but to have like chapters in different you know they probably won't be the black bird but they could be the black I don't know, the Black Philly, the Black started right. just okay. something. I don't want us to stay in one place. I want us to grow. Awesome. Is, is that an age group that when people are joining, is that a specific age group that you guys are looking at? Um, or is it open to the general population? Like how, what's the age group for your, your membership? Um, so that's a good question because we've been thinking about who is the youth for real? Because some people could be 
<laughs> well, some people can be working, but I'm the you. <laughs> okay, but we don't wear the same clothes. <laughs> And so um, you gotta worry about that. I'm I'm old. I, my, I tell my sons all the time. I just look good, but I'm old. <laughs> but, um, we're thinking about like middle school to twenty five because when you think about that age range, there's still so much room to grow, and you still have so much life ahead of you. Right. And so the things that you learn and the impact that you can make at a young age and start making now. You can keep building up and building up so that the future can just be so, so bright. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about like my sister, she's in high school um, and my cousin's in middle school and like that. Like they're just so eager to learn. But when you think about schools as well, schools don't really teach you black history. Not at all. They don't teach you that kind of thing. And when you learn about your history, it's very empowering. Yeah. And I learned about my history and the the one day that we spent <laughs> on black history i used to be so excited yeah but because the school system doesn't allow black history to be taught the way it should be taught there's a um there's a gap between um what can be taught and what can be used to make the impact that you want to see because if you learn about the laws and everything like that like you can you are limited to talking about a certain kind of things. When we talk about black history and actually get educated with that, you have something to back you up with time to actually go into that space, like social movements and stuff. Um, so yeah, just getting middle school to like 25-year-old in colleges and just spreading around. You know, when you talk about black history not being taught in school, I think that speaks to what you were sharing earlier about how the system is just designed to kind to, to you know, to be, to be against us. Like that's all kind of like you know, um, all kind of coordinated. So you got the police system, you have the school system, you have the medical system, you know, you have the behavioral health system. It's like, it's like a joint effort systematically that has, again, been passed down from generation to generation, from century to century. Whereas I don't know that people really even notice our white counterparts realize that they're participating in it. And I think that's why they so easily can say, I'm not racist, but you are, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. But but you're participating in this institutional structure that has been designed to keep people of color down. So that's that's racism, you know? So I think that's a powerful statement um, that you made. Um, Marja and Jenea and Trinity, where do you guys see um, you got the, 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 the group going in a year? I um, envision us extending our outreach, extending the number of members um, in our group so that we can just truly unify Harrisburg um, as a whole, like as a black community, just getting to know everybody rather than, like Adiola said, just me knowing the people from Susquehanna, me just interacting with the people from my school. I would like to build a, a better community in Harrisburg. And, you know, hopefully maybe we can like um, get into the high schools and start a system like that, like Adiola said, because the only time you learn about black history is February and it's slavery. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's good. That's a good so point. just that's um like maybe like block party stuff like that. Things that like it doesn't always have to be like, you know, um things that are remembrance of trauma, but things that just unify us and uplift us as a community. Yeah. And, you know, one thing you pointed out when you were saying middle school to 25, I think that's an excellent age group, um, especially the middle school, because they're still like they're still able to be moldable and, and, and they can be they can get that fire that you guys have. You can put that in them and you can always partner with older groups because you, know, you guys aren't 
against using people outside of their age group because clearly I, you know, you use me, you used um, different ones, um, Minister Trey, and different ones. So you're not you're not against mm -hmm. that age group, but you want the group that, right. that the actual participants to be in that you know that certain um, age category. I think that's awesome because you could always partner with older people, older groups, and things like that. Right. So, Trinity, you got anything for me for that question? Um, basically what everyone else said, I also think it would be cool to, you know, branch out and maybe start some chapters in each of our schools, since we all go to different HBCUs, well, most of us go to HBCUs, but just in general, it'd be, <laughs> sorry, Marcia, it'd be nice to have this, um, spread to our colleges and things like that, um, so yeah, and also, it's really important that we, Harrisburg itself does get connected, because we didn't even realize that most of us in this, in our group, are related to each other in one way or another. Like, just right. little stuff like that. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows each other. And it's just, Harrisburg is too small to not know each other like that. Everybody's so, yeah. related to everybody in Harrisburg. Thank God, yeah. audience, that I am a native of Philadelphia. But I tell my sons all the time, I'm like, do not date or marry anybody from Harrisburg because they're probably your 16th cousin. You know, so yeah, yeah so right. that's true. The crossings, the hunter. That is just ridiculous. How many everybody's here related? You know, people come up and tell me they related to me. Like, no, nah, you ain't. No, you're not related to me. But I do have, you know, I got Sean and his siblings, and it's like 25 of them. So that's just growing and growing, and expanding. Um, Jadea, did you want to add anything? Yeah. Yeah, I think like a goal or like how we want to see the group in the future. I mean, I think this, I think on a, on the call that we did, but I still like the Blackbird, our mission and purpose existed before the actual organization did. Um, because for example, how we all met, it still like through Harrisburg to Howard, through Teen Achievers Camp Curtain, through Salvation Army Summer Camp, we were all involved in, um, youth enrichment camps and youth things for black youth that connected us. Um, and that's basically the same purpose that we have now and what we want to see in Harrisburg. Um, so I just hope that I think I knew a lot of people growing up in Harrisburg and I do, but there's not a sense of community. Yeah. So I think we just want to sit the community. So it's not like, Oh, something happens. We need someone, our community to fall back on, but we have no community to fall back on. Yeah. Um, there's more on like the community aspect and just building a, a more, Supportive culture in Harrisburg, I think. I think I think that's a tremendous, tremendous endeavor and idea in terms of having it like chapters. Like you know, that that's amazing. And you think about every um, like the NAACP or the National Coalition of One Hundred Black Women. When you think about those um, organizations, they started like you guys. They came together, united because they saw a need, and then it just grew. And now you got a Philadelphia chapter. Now you got a California chapter, and I think we even have one in the islands. You know, so I, I, that 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 that's amazing, and I think that's going to be something great. And you guys are thinking big, you know, thinking big. And do you have anything planned upcoming for the next couple of months, or are you working on anything for next year, or do y'all want to drop some nuggets or gems on that before you before we get out of here? <laughs> In the works. <laughs> all the kind of stuff. There's so many ideas, but you know, like there's still COVID, which is kind of hindering the in-person engagement. Um, but 
trust and believe there's still ideas for virtual. There's still going to be in-person events because we all go back to school soon. So we're trying to figure out like, what can we do while we're still here? And then what, what will we do when we get back to school? Um, I know we were talking about, um, because now a lot of our schools, like the semester will be um, extended. So like, or winter break. So come back Thanksgiving and then you have the whole winter break um, there. So there's a lot of time there for us to be doing things as well. Um, with the college students as well. Cause something I realized is Harrisburg doesn't really have things for college students. Like it's like once you're 12 or 18, then you're done. You out on your own, <laughs> but it's like, we still need some guidance. We still need some events and something to bring us together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, just planning some things that will help, um, with that connection and just again, continue to educate, continue to use our social media to make sure we're getting that engagement from people, but there's still stuff to come. We're still planning. Good. Meeting y'all. Meeting. Good, 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 good. <laughs> right. Just keep, keep a lookout on our socials. Yes. Well, Perfect. I follow you guys on social media and I've connected you guys to several of, of uh, like I said, NCBW as they didn't hear of you guys. And I was so excited to be able to tell them about you and just the energy. It's, it's a feel good type of vibe you get from you guys, but it's not just feel good. It's like feel good and do some work. And you know, that, that is always a powerful um, synergy when the, when that can come together like that. Um, I can't begin to tell you how um, much fun it was today to spend this time with you, how insightful it is, how inspiring you guys are. I think you guys are dope. I look forward to interacting with you again and definitely having you back on probably once every season, as long as this podcast is in existence, because I, I would love to be a part of and have our, our um, podcast kind of walk with you through your journey as you grow. So we could say, I remember when, you know, but also to enlighten <laughs> our our listeners and, and so that they can find ways to support the group, even if they're not. I'm in that age group, you know, because there are ways to support you guys. You guys have, you got, you guys are great in integrating all types of age groups. Um, I think, I think you're doing a tremendous job. Do not get discouraged. Keep that fire. Keep that fire. Keep looking for good mentors and, and just keep that energy because the energy is amazing and it's contagious. It really is. It's contagious. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you've um, provided to us today. And I'm looking forward to meeting with you guys again. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's it, gang. This week's Sanity Sesh with Dr. Dawn. I hope you enjoyed this episode and walked away with some life-changing nuggets. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. And we would love to connect with you at Sanity Sessions for Sisters at gmail.com, on Instagram at Dr. Dawn on The Real, and please join our Facebook group, The Sane Gang. All right, now, I got to go. Have a blessed and prosperous week. And until next time, y'all, stay sane.